Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. tonight, I invite your attention to the gospel of John chapter number 4. I want to read there and then in chapter 7. Have you thought about this year? And You know, this is again a time when we think over and contemplate maybe what we have been and what we could improve upon, and I hope that you have desires in God for this new year. I trust that you uh, don't want to just maintain or just don't want to have a spiritual survival type attitude, but that you want to uh, grow in God, you want to increase in the Lord, and you want to see His promises fulfilled in your life. Is that your desire tonight? Praise God. And uh, so let's look into the Word of the Lord. This is a common text, chapter number 4 and verse 15, or no, verse 5 through 15, I'm sorry. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, and from whence then hast thou that living water. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. I want to, in addendum to this passage, read in chapter number 7. Chapter number 7, and uh, let's look at verse 33, 
Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while I am with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. You shall seek me and shall not find me, and where I am, thither you cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go, that we shall find him, and we will go unto the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this, that he said, You shall seek me and shall not find me, and where I am, thither you cannot go or cannot come. And then in verse 37, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow, everybody say flow, flow rivers of living water. I, I just want to speak for a little while tonight what I feel strong in my spirit. I want to talk about finding and living in the flow of God's Spirit. Finding and living in the flow of God's Spirit. Amen. Let's, let's pray that the Lord would anoint and bless in the remainder of our service. Would you pray with me right now? God, I pray that you would have your way. I pray, God, that you would minister to needs in this place. Pray that you would touch the hearts and the lives of people that have gathered here. Let us all receive from your word. I pray, God, that we would be uh, receptive to it. We'd apply it to our lives. God, it would help us not only today, but it would have a residual effect in all of our hearts and would feed us not only this night, but on in the future we could live on the word of God that we receive. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you for it. Amen and amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Finding and living in the flow of God's Spirit. In approaching uh, the Scripture, we, we must recognize that some of the Bible stories and passages that we think we know so well that there's not anything that we could derive from it that we haven't already heard or haven't already seen or has not been revealed. Perhaps we've read them many times. I think it's always important for us to remember that there is more than just one application many times to verses of Scripture in the Bible. For example, it's probably not any more so than when you read the Old Testament prophets because the prophet was speaking to those people at that time, but is also speaking prophetically, and we're still seeing uh, in places in the Old Testament through the prophecies of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and so on, seeing those prophecies being fulfilled in the earth even today, though they had a meaning to the people then and spoke to the present situation, they also uh, spoke to the future. And so when we read passages of Scripture and we think we've got it, it doesn't mean that God cannot show or reveal to us something more in that particular uh, passage. That's just how deep the Word of God is. Uh, you can 
you can look at it in every angle and, and, and you see uh, it doesn't contradict itself. Don't, don't misunderstand me, but you see more depth and you see greater things in it. Therefore, uh, we cannot become close-minded or dismissive, dismissive of a passage just because we've heard it preached or taught upon many times. And so when we approach scriptures like I read to you, first of all here tonight in John chapter 4, many of us have heard this story about the woman at the well of Samaria, and we think we've got that and we understand all the various facets of it. But uh, recently I was praying and seeking the Lord because like many of you, I desire to have a deeper walk with God. And I want to do whatever necessary to deepen my walk with the Lord. And uh, I understand one thing about serving God, and that is if you're not growing in God, then you are dying. If you're not being fruitful, then you're not fulfilling your purpose. If you're not seeking after God, it won't be long till other things because it's just in our nature to seek after something, to be passionate about something. If you're not seeking God, you're seeking something. If you're not after something in the things of God, in the kingdom of God, then you're after things elsewhere. And so it's important for us uh, to continue to grow no matter how long we've been in the church. No matter how long we've been around and we've had the Holy Ghost, it's important for us to continue to grow in God. And so I, I was looking at this passage in John chapter 4, and, and I want to take a little bit different approach and elaborate on some things that I feel like the Lord uh, dealt with me about. And there are some obvious things that we read in this Scripture uh, that comes out. We know that He is speaking about really something that was to come. He's revealing or preempting something that was going to be poured out in just a little while, and that was the Holy Ghost. And that's really uh, a lot of what this passage is about, about the Spirit of God that was to come, that was a promise to any and everyone that would repent of their sins and hunger for it, that God would pour His Spirit out upon all flesh. And so... Just by personal observation, let me make this statement. There is nothing more troubling to me, and this is a provocative statement, I understand, but there is nothing more troubling to me than seeing a saint of God, a person, an individual in the kingdom of God that has experienced the new birth, that has the Holy Ghost, that professes the truth, and has this relationship with God, but yet has reduced the Spirit-filled life down to just a set of rules and res uh, regulations and just a checklist to live by, or, and I want to clarify, to just degenerate this down and define living for God to just what I can do and what I can't do, and, and, if, and if that's all there is to living for God, I want you to understand you're missing the point. If that is the entirety of your relationship with God, you're missing the joy of living for God. You're, you're missing what it is to really serve the Lord 
with gladness, as the Scripture says. You're missing the point of having a real relationship with God. If that's your idea of living for God, I can't can't identify with that. I, I can't get with that. Because when a person really drinks from the depths of the Spirit, the shallow things of this world no longer satisfies them. And so it becomes not about what I can't do and what I'm not allowed to do and what the book says I can't do. And it becomes more about I have something that is far greater and superior to anything that this world has to offer. Why would I want something that is a substitute when I can have that thing that satisfies my soul and that thing that makes uh, this relationship with God uh, what it is? And that brings completeness to my life. In other words, when you really get a born-again experience, there's a transformation that takes place, or it should. And that is that your appetites change. Your hunger, your thirst, your longings, that all changes. Why? Because you finally, finally found something that really satisfies the soul. And you realize everything else is really superficial. It fades. It grows old. It loses its punch. It loses its power. It loses its ability to impress. And in essence, it no longer satisfies. Amen? That that used to satisfy you, that that used to be attractive to you, that that used to fulfill you, simply cannot do it anymore. That's why a person, the worst kind of person in the world is the person that had once lived for God because they go headlong into it and it seems like there's no holds bar because they're trying to find something to satisfy that longing and it's a futile search because there's nothing after you've experienced the power of the Holy Ghost that can even come in a close second. To what you feel in the presence of the Lord and the satisfying feeling that you have in serving God. And that's why they almost in a reckless abandonment go after the things of the world. It's because they're trying to fill their life with all those things. And so they think the more that they get, that maybe they're going to be able to find that feeling that they're searching for and that wholeness and completeness and satisfaction and, and it only leads to further destruction, further despair, and further heartache. Because, as you and I know, the Spirit is the thing that satisfies. It's the Holy Ghost that satisfies the soul of a man. That's what we were created for. That, that's when, when God made us. He, he put a, a, a place in our life that nothing else can feel that place but the Spirit of God. Nothing else can satisfy that longing but the Spirit of God. Jesus said in verse 13 of our text, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Now this was not written like a screenplay, and so we don't know the action of the the characters involved, but we can assume by reading this that when he said whoever drinks of this water that he was pointing at that well of Samaria and saying whoever drinks of that water right there It isn't going to be long until you're going to be back here again. 
and you're going to have to draw some more water and take another drink because this water has limitations. This water can only satisfy up to a point. This water is not something that lasts very long. Whosoever drinketh of this water is going to thirst again. And you you do understand that he is implying, because all of this has deeper meaning than just the superficial, he's implying more than just the physical water here, but he's also speaking of the spiritual. Anything that this world has to offer has a shelf life. Anything this world presents, it has an expiration date on it. When we talk about sin and its pleasure, yes, it can bring pleasure for a season, the Bible says. In other words, it has an expiration date. It can bring satisfaction for a period of time, but when that season is over, then you're going to be looking for something else. You're going to be hungry for something else. And so that explains the compound effect of sin. Because as you know, sin has an insatiable appetite. And whatever you partake of, you'll want more of it tomorrow. And whatever satisfied last week is not going to satisfy this week. And so it may have started out at one stage, but it has a way of progressing and graduating. And it becomes embedded in a person's character. And before long... It becomes a part of their very nature, sin does. And so many, especially people who were raised in godly environments, sin becomes, at first it comes to them sort of in an experiential way. They, they just want to experiment a little bit. And I want to try this. I've never tried it before. I've never, I've never experienced, experienced this before, so I want to... I want, to, I want to endeavor to try this. This may be something that I'm missing out on, but I'm going to tell you the danger of that tonight because uh, just as, as we use immorality for an example, young people think, well, you know, they've heard how that in the teaching of God's Word, they've heard it preached, they've been warned against it, but then... They give themselves over to it and experience it. And because God did not strike them dead at that moment, and there was a measure of pleasure in it, uh, they begin to doubt what they've been taught is the truth and perhaps even begin to doubt whether there's a God because He didn't pass judgment on them immediately. And a lot of times then they begin to doubt other things begin to pick apart other things because it seems like, Pastor, I got by. It seems like, Parent, I got by. It seems like everything you was telling me that would happen, it didn't happen to me immediately. And so they misunderstand the mercies of God and the long-sufferingness of God as permission from God that it might be okay to do these things. And that is not so. The same is true with the young lady that, that trims on her hair. And because there's not a bolt of lightning that comes down from heaven and strikes her dead at that particular moment, and 
nothing happens. And maybe even she comes back to church and she still feels, you told me that this was the glory of God, or representative or symbolic of a consecration we make that, that, that is connected to the glory of God and the power of God. Yet when I come back to church, I still feel uh, the presence of the Lord. He hasn't totally recoiled from me. I haven't experienced any judgment for my actions at this point. And they make the mistake of thinking that God has validated their sin. So I wonder what else that I can get by with. I wonder what else uh, that maybe, maybe it's not as necessary as I thought it was. Or maybe it's a young man that is drawn away and he uh, takes a few sips of alcohol and he thinks because nothing immediately happened that that perhaps I'm okay and it's all right. Maybe it's not a forbidden thing after all. But you know by reading James chapter number 1 and verse 14, but every man is tempted. And when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin... When it is finished, when it is finished, that may be a process, but when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Sin only has one conclusion, and that is destruction. And we know that worse than just physical death is for there to be spiritual death in a person's life. In other words, your relationship with God to die and not be alive, and not be uh, what it needs to be. There be no connection there between you and God. So what seems so innocent, you was just drawn to, you was just attracted to in the beginning. What seems so satisfying at first, where is that leading? Where is that taking me you know that ought to be the question that we constantly ask ourselves in the decisions and the choices that we're making is where is this going to lead me I'm not talking about where I'm at right now or where it will even lead me just tomorrow or or just in the near future but the question I need to ask is where is it leading me where is it taking me where is this relationship and friendship and where are the people that I run with? How are they impacting me? I may not even recognize it at first. Hello, you guys still here tonight? I may not even be able to be aware of it at first initially. But where is it leading me? Where are my current choices leading me? Where is the allowances that I am making for my flesh and my carnality and saying, well, I know that I used to not partake of this and I used to not involve myself with it, but I never really understood that anyway. And instead of really searching it out and digging it out and maybe not just listening to the urges of my flesh and seeking out good counsel in my life rather than somebody just will agree with me, because you can always find somebody that's in agreement with you that'll put a stamp on your desire to sin or your desire to be worldly and say, well, that's okay. You know, I know. 
I know, but it really doesn't take all of that and, and, and so on. Where is that leading me? Is that drawing me closer to God? Is that bringing me near to Him? Or is that separating me further from Him? Am I, am I drawing away or am I drawing closer to the Lord? The voices that I'm listening to, the predominant voices in my life. I'm not just talking about, I'm not just talking about uh, what voice you get in your life Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. That's a small fraction of your week. When you really think about it, you need to make sure that the other voices that are speaking in your life daily are not speaking in opposition to what you're hearing on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. In fact, you, you better get some voices around you that are speaking positive things to you from the Word of God, that are building up your faith, that are encouraging you in your relationship with the Lord, amen, in your walk with God. And so because sin has an insatiable appetite, well, there's one more that I want to I talk about. Where is your career in Career desires. Where, where, where's that leading you to? How, how does your relationship with God factor in and all of that? That's something to think about. That's something a lot of people don't think about. They think career first, and then they think, well, where do I go to church? Or what, where does God fit into it after that? But I'm going to tell you that's not how it should be. It should be exactly the opposite of that is is where is my relationship with God and how is it going to suffer by this work schedule and how is it going to suffer by these things. And you can justify about anything, and as it's already been stated, if you need an excuse, you'll be provided one. But those that are hungry for God realize that I've got to make some choices in the end time that may be sacrificial, but if it's going to be for the saving of my soul, then I'll sacrifice a few bucks so that I can live for God. Amen. Praise God. I didn't expect anybody to run the aisles, but it's the truth, and I stand by it tonight, and I stand by it from here on out because that's just the way it is. And so you've got to, you've got to make up your mind that I'm going to live for God. And as I was surveying this current spiritual climate that you and I are in, this world and its condition, and I was thinking about how in such a filthy, sinful, unrighteous, ungodly world, how can we raise up people that are righteous? How can we raise up a generation of people that are righteous? How do we keep young people pure in such a filthy world? And it seems like now there's so many things to put a hook in their jaw technology and, and all of the things through the internet and all of the communication and hookup that they can have through those things that people can speak into their lives. Used to, you know, a parent could have a little bit of control in trying to uh, find out who their children are associated with. But I want to tell you, you've got to be pretty savvy to keep up with it nowadays because of the internet and all of the things that can happen through that and how are we possibly going to be able, uh, how are we going to be able to keep people pure and keep them living 
uh, the life that they need to live and be untainted by and unspotted by the things of this old world. And I feel like the Lord revealed to me it's going to happen just like it's happened for every generation previous. It's going to happen just like it happened. It's not a new thing, but only through getting in the flow of the Spirit and living the Spirit life can a person abstain from those things that are tempting them and that are drawing them away and that are pulling them down because Jesus said in verse 14, but whoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Shall never thirst. You wouldn't want to go back to drink from the natural, in other words, You wouldn't want to go back to the well that this world tries as a substitute to provide. If you've ever drank from the deep well of the Spirit and found it as a refreshment to your spirit and soul, amen, you'll never want to go back to those things because they are just meager compared to the experience of the Holy Ghost. And if you stay renewed in this, come on, sometimes we think of the Holy Ghost, we think of it about like this this cup. And, and it can only hold so much water. So when this finite measurement here uh, of this cup, we pour water into it, it can hold however many ounces, and that's all. And when we think of the Spirit in a person's life, when we think, well, that's, they, get, they get filled with the Spirit here, and, and that's all there is to it. And then over time, you know, a little here and there gets poured out and or diminishes or evaporates, whatever happens uh, living in this life and walking in this this life that all of us are confined to, to live in. And, and, and then we come back and we top it off again, but it can only be that certain amount. They can't get any more in there. That's all that a person, well, I'm going to tell you something. That's not what this scripture says. It talks about this being a springing up. That means as, as soon as there's an ebbing away, there's a replacement of. And that's how it really should be in your relationship with God. As you take the knocks and you take the, the, the bombardment of the enemy, you should, you should have a relationship with God, a connection with God, that it's just flowing back into you. The virtue that you need is flowing back into you. The grace that you need is flowing back into you. The spiritual empowerment that you need is flowing back into you. That's how you stay strong in God. That's how you stay fortified in God. That's how you continue uh, to, to, to be at a place of optimum performance in God. But if you just keep letting it flow out and there's not a constant flow in, guess what? After a little while, you're going to find yourself diminished down to nothing and dry. And the Bible says that the devil walketh through dry places. Seeking and looking. Amen. He, he goes on a search and destroy mission in dry places. But when you got a flow, he doesn't want to be in that place. When you're living in the flow and the current of God's Spirit, there's no room for, for those things. He said you never thirst after the things of this world if you stay thirsty for me, in essence. Amen. Now, one of my favorite restaurants. How does my messages always degenerate down into food illustrations? But anyway, I think it's something most of us can relate to. 
Anyway, one of my favorite restaurants is the Grand Lux Cafe. If you never have been there, you owe it to yourself one time to go. There's one in Dallas. And uh, you can go there one time before you go to heaven. Be great. Get you kind of warmed up for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so they got this dessert at Grand Lux Cafe. It's sort of like a, a cheesecake factory, but on another level. As a matter of fact, the same folks own it. And, uh, but they got this, they got this uh, dessert. It's beignets. And, uh, you know, I've been to Cafe de Monde down there in New Orleans, and that's pretty good. But I'm going to tell you, there's this dipping sauce they have at Grand Lux to put those beignets in. And they, they don't just keep them cooking all the time. Matter of fact, you've got to order them when you order your food. You've got to order them. That's a trap. You order them at the beginning, and you tell them, hey, I'm going to want some of those beignets. And so the only problem is, is they serve big portions for their plates and for their meals. And uh, so I go in with the intention, really, I, I like your food, but I, I really like those beignets. And so that's what I'm going to get. That's what I came here for. That's what I drove here for. And so that's what I'm after. And uh, I can't tell you how many times, though, that I have went there with the intention and hungering for those beignets. And when it came time and they brought them out, because I ordered them. I mean, you have to order them 15, 20 minutes up ahead of time because they're going to make them. And, and then they brought them out. And I just didn't have, because I was so filled up with everything else that came before, I didn't have the appetite. And those things are not as good. It's not something you can take home eat two hours later. This is something you need to eat fresh. That's why they make them like that. And you can't, it's not something that can be preserved necessarily. And so I can't tell you how many times I've eaten and I really was full and didn't have a desire to eat the thing that I came there for. Well, if you are drinking from the well of God's Spirit, if you got tapped into this, you're not going to be hungry for the things that are out there that are sinful. If you... If you got this, you're going to be satisfied and the appetite and the longing that you maybe perhaps once had for the things of the world because you've been, you've been satisfied by the things of the Spirit, that hunger is not there. That urgency is not there. That longing for those things that once may have been a part of your life, that, that is not there any longer because you're being satisfied. Uh, I'm going to tell you, you can't tempt a satisfied person. You can't draw a satisfied person away. Amen. But if the devil can one way or another separate you and keep you from drinking from the well of the Spirit and keep you from being totally uh, saturated and soaking up everything that you need from the Spirit, it won't be long until... He can begin to tempt you with other things because you're no longer satisfied like you used to be. I hear people saying, you know, uh, I just, I don't, I don't have a longing for it like I used to. Well, just like the man said tonight, the more you partake of some things, the more you want. 
amen, to partake of it. You, you lay off praying, and it'll be easier to lay off praying. The more you pray, the more you'll desire to pray. And the more you get in contact with and walk in and are exposed to the moving of the Spirit, the more of that that you desire and the more of that that you want and the more of that that you will hunger for. And it brings a contentment to your life. When, you, when you're walking in the Spirit of God, when you're, when you're staying in the flow of what I'm talking about, it brings a contentment to your life, a peace to your life. You know, one of the we just came through Christmas time, and probably one of the, the greatest compliments that could be said is that, man, I don't know what to buy that person for Christmas. Not that they have everything, but because they're not talking about a need for something all the time or they haven't mentioned anything. In other words, they're content. And they're satisfied with the things that they have. And that is a mark of maturity. Have you ever seen any children that when it comes Christmas time, was that content to not give you a Christmas list when you asked for it? Boy, wouldn't that be nice? Oh, I don't need anything, Mom. Anything? No, no, dude. Good warm bed, three hots a day. That, you know, I'm content. No, that's not a child. That's not any of them I've seen. And it's a mark of maturity in a Christian's life when they learn that there's one source of satisfaction and that is in God and nothing else can substitute. And so I'm not just not just moving from longing to longing and desire to desire, trying to find something to fill up my life. I'm complete in Him, as Colossians 2 tells us. Uh, I found satisfaction in Him. I found a deep well that keeps on satisfying and keeps on satisfying and keeps... It's a flowing thing. Amen. And so whatever I have need of today, there's enough to supply that need. And when tomorrow gets here, I don't even know what the need will be. But I know that I'm connected to something that's going to flow into my life and is going to fulfill that need and that desire. And as long as I live in this flow and as long as God tarries, it may be a year from now, but I'm not worried about a year from now because if I stay in this, I'm going to have everything I need to be satisfied and feel complete then. But you've got to get to the source. You've got to get to the one that is able to make you feel content. Rivers, he said, of living water. Amen. To somebody that's living in a flow, church doesn't get old to them. You hear that statement, that's somebody that's not in the flow. When they, when they get bored with coming to the house of God, that's somebody that didn't ever really figure it out. I can't, I can't, that does not compute. My calculator doesn't, doesn't go there. I can't figure that one for you. Amen. You you evidently didn't get what I got. You didn't get tapped into what I received when I got the Holy Ghost. Amen. You haven't felt and experienced what I felt in the presence of the Lord, if that's how you feel about it. Amen. I, I can't understand anybody, their worship you know, worship becomes mechanical when we're not staying in the flow. It loses its depth and it becomes shallow when we're not staying. That's when people have to make up things. Amen. 
They they got to have they got to have a smoke machine then. Then they got to have somebody that can entertain them at that point. And so much of Christendom today and the church world, not not the real church world, but I'm talking about those out there that call themselves, they got to have all these substitutes and that changes and it has trends with it and it's constantly something that's, that's evolving. Why? Because they're trying to fulfill an appetite that... That was never intended to be fulfilled by all of that. It was intended to be fulfilled by the Spirit of Almighty God and them to get a hold of this well that I'm talking about that is able to satisfy a river that flows and has current to it. And I'm going to tell you something else about that river. Everything that needs to flow in your life will flow into it if you'll stay connected and in the flow of the current of God and everything that needs to flow out of your life will flow out of it if you're walking in the Spirit and staying connected to the river that I'm preaching about tonight. Amen. Just just move it out. And and when God moves it out, it's not a big deal. Amen. There's people I was connected to 15 years ago. There's people, matter of fact, preaching this church 15 years ago that I don't even speak to today. Not because there's any kind of problem or we're mad at one another. It's not a deal like that. We just don't have anything in common anymore. I'm going to tell you, if you don't love this truth, I don't have anything in common with you. If you have known the truth and walked away from it, I don't have anything in common with you anymore. I love you. I pray for you. But I'm not going to risk my soul. I'm not going to risk anybody that I love, uh, amen, to run with you. Amen. And I'm not going to pat you on the head and say, well, you must be at a lower level doing something good for God. No. You're, 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 if you're not with us, you're against us. That's what the Scripture says. So I got to stay in this flow. I got to stay in this flow. And I'm sorry. It'll move things out that need to be moved out. It'll wash things out that need to be washed out. Amen. This, I mean, I mean, if you've been looking around, you can see all the rivers are swollen right now. You take a little trip over down south on 59, you go across the Sulphur River, you can clearly see we don't need much more rain. It's bawling. And, uh, you know, it's got things kind of pushed out in areas. Uh, duck hunters don't necessarily like this time because too much water. I've about found out you can't satisfy them. They see the too little water, too much water. There's always a reason. No, I'm just joking. I'm just piddling here praise God but what I'm saying is is you know when that river gets swollen up like that I've been on the river when it was swollen up and it was out of its banks and man you'd be surprised how hard or how difficult it is to stay in the channel of that river to find your way back to the boat ramp if you get down the river you know and you're not really paying attention it can seem like well, isn't this the river channel here? You kind of get off on that a little while. And then, no, <laughs> that's not it. And because there's such a current and such a flow, but there is a channel where it's the strongest current. There's a channel there where, I mean, when this goes back down to normal, that's where the current's going to be. This is the river bed, in other words. This is where the main flow is. And while all of this right now, during this condition, it may be 
it may appear, it may have the looks of, it may even seem like that uh, it's all part of the main river, but it's not. Somewhere you've got to find out where the main, tr- the only way you're going to get back to the source is to find where the main river channel is because it runs from that source. And I, I just want to tell you that, that when you get in the main flow and vein of this, there's nothing that satisfies like the Spirit of God. You get there, amen, and you tap into that, and you realize there's, there's something about this that I don't need the things of this world. That's what that song talks about when it says, the things of this world grow strangely dim. If you've ever been face-to-face with Him, if you've ever experienced Him and His presence, everything else grows strangely dim. And it'll keep you, and it'll endure, and it'll stay fresh with you. Your faith won't grow stagnant and stale. Because, you know, after a few weeks here, months, whatever, this river's going to go down, and it's going to leave little pools and places where it had been and because there's no flow there anymore well it's going to become seed bed for diseases and leeches and mosquitoes are going to be buzzing up above it and it's going to grow bacteria and all but that can't happen when there's a flow and when there's a swift current I'm going to tell you that's why it's important that we not only dig it out, but we keep it cleaned out and keep ourselves in the flow of God's Spirit. And we always yield to the Spirit. And we do not quench the Spirit because if there's anything that we need in 2019, it's the flow of God's Spirit in every church service. That doesn't mean that you're always biting holes in the ceiling tile. That doesn't mean that it's always running and stomping. It'll be that. Many times it'll be that. But it's also being able to flow with weeping an intercession, and a depth of the Spirit. Matter of fact, it's important that you not just be able to go high, but you be able to get down in the depths of things and let God dig you up in some areas. Praise the Lord. you got to find that vein and that flow of the Spirit. That's where the blessings of God are. Amen. That's where contentment is, is right there. Amen. That's where you stay fresh. I, I have friends that, I have one in particular that calls me from time to time. And, and, I, and I, when he first called me and asked this, I kind of thought, well, is he just trying to be weird or what? And uh, he'd say, well, what's, what's God saying to you today? What's God speaking to you about lately? And I began to think about that. What he was saying is, You can't just live on what God's been speaking to you about years ago. You can't just, you know, recently I boxed up just about every sermon that I have. I put it in a box. I threw away about two boxes. I didn't figure I was ever going to use them again. They went over so terrible that I thought, you know what, I'm just never going to need these again. And this will help help waste management out. I'm going to put them in the dumpster. So if I see any of you guys with your legs hanging out of the dumpster down there, I know that you're not hooked up to the flow. Praise God. Anyway, 
So anyway, I threw, I threw a bunch of it away, and then I boxed up a bunch, and I put it on a shelf in a closet, and I said, you know what, it's time to just start completely over. Now, that doesn't mean after years of preaching you don't have things in your mind, but I'm just saying, you got to stay fresh. What is God saying today? What is God saying now? What is God revealing now? What is God showing now? What is God talking to us about now? Don't just rely on something in the past, but let's get a hold of something fresh. Amen. And God is, I, I admire people that have lived for God for years, that have lived for God for decades, but yet they still have cultivated a hunger for God. Thirst for God. Amen? I admire that in uh, saints of God and, and people. I've seen older saints that they didn't let their love for God diminish over time. A friend of mine was telling me about a man that taught him in Bible school, Brother Kelsey Griffin. Some of you may remember him or know him. And this is a man that's retired his wife had passed away, and he lives in a little, really it's not much of anything, just a little shack on his brother's place near Waco, Texas. But every morning, and for I think six hours every day, he studies the Word of God. Somebody said, I mean, my immediate question is, where is his outlet at? I mean, his ministry is basically at its end. But he... he sends out emails to the people that he's taught and people that he's, um, you know, mentored through the years and continues to try to uh, feed them and help them and inspire them through the years. Uh, he's continually sending something fresh that he's seeing in the Word of God. This is a man that has read the book many, 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 many times, but he reads it over and over again. He studies it. I'm going to tell you, if people have a passion uh, to become top athletes and they have a passion to make money and they have a passion for thus and so that is temporal and of this world. Where's our passion to know God? Where's our passion to draw close to Him? Because I promise you after this life is over, that's what is going to matter the most is how much did we know Him? How much did we have of Him in our lives? And so I can't imagine being around trying to serve God for years and being frustrated because I never found the flow. I never got tapped in. I just reduced it down to a bunch of thou shalt nots. And this is what you got to do. And I reduced it down to I hope the pastor don't find out about this. And I hope I can slip by doing that. And I'm going to try to live right at the line. Come on, folks. There's more to it than this. There's a deeper place in God than that. There's got to be. Amen. But when you get a hold of this like what I'm talking about, it's a longing to draw closer, not, not to try to get by and try to be on the margins of things. It's, it's, a, it's a desire to get near to Him and closer to Him and be more like Him and be pleasing to Him because closer to Him you get, the more satisfied and complete that you feel in life. And the blessings of God are flowing there. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me right now? The reason why some people struggle with consistency is because they've never found 
the flow. They can make a good run. They can, man, they're ready to take on the world for six months. I'm going to tell you what, if you're going to be in the ministry, you're going to have to have consistency about you. Because everything you think it was difficult, you just wait until you become a target. Amen? Not that you're not a target at, at, at a level of living for God as a saint, but I'm just telling you, when you start leading in areas, the bigger target is on your back by the devil. I thought I'd hear more of an amen than that. That's the truth of the matter. And so, because the devil knows through your influence, if he take you down, he can destroy a whole lot of other people that had confidence in you. And so that's why the Bible says to be careful not getting lifted up lest you be a novice and, 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 and later have to retract some of those things. What I'm saying is you've got to dig in deep and get a hold of relationship with God and be consistent for God and living for God and serving God in your life. I'm talking about people, and I'm not talking about people that have already uh, in here that have already professed ministry. I'm not targeting anybody, but I'm saying young men that desire to be used of God and, and people that desire to do something for God. If you're going to be able to do it, you're going to have to be consistent about it. That's the only way it'll be successful. Amen? Let's look at James. Back to James chapter number 1 real quick as we close in verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting Nothing. Wanting nothing. Satisfied. And then in verse 6, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted, and when he is drawn, on, drawn away of his own lust, is enticed. Excuse me, I jumped over there, for let no man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice that he is exalted, but the rich in which he is made low, because as the flower of the grass, a flower of the grass, excuse me, has he shall pass away, for the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. What are you trying to say? I'm telling you, when you get in the flow of God's Spirit and you get connected to what I'm talking about here, all of those things that used to have an appeal suddenly do not have the same appeal and the attraction that they used to have to you. 
but you're satisfied. Entire. He used the word entire. And then wanting nothing. I don't have a desire for the things of the world. I don't have a desire for carnality. I don't have a desire for sin. That thirst has been quenched by the Spirit of God. Why don't you lift up your hands with me right now and before we conclude this service, I wonder if you wouldn't right now pray that God would help us in this new year to get in the flow of God's Spirit, to get in the flow of what God would have for us. The future will take care of itself if we stay in the flow of God's Spirit. Everything that we encounter, we'll be able to overcome if we stay in the flow of God's Spirit. Everything we have need of in our hearts and lives, God will supply it if we'll stay in the place where the current of God can reach and flow through us. In Jesus' name, help us, God.